0: You're listening to Actors Endurance, a podcast that inspires actors to never give up on their passion and find ways to continue to grow within the entertainment industry. My name is Shanette Wilson, and I'm an actress, and my co host is Marlon Hargrave, and he is a teaching artist. And together, we are Actors Endurance. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Actors Endurance, the number one podcast for all artists. Now, today we have a very special show. We got my sister from another mister. If y'all have not heard of this lady right here, please get on. Get on your computer, your laptop, or your phone right away and just start Googling her. Her name is Charlene Green, and she is one of the dopest authors and poets I have ever met. Now, she's a writer, she's an editor, she's a publishing coach, certified life coach, and an empower and em- empowerment poet. Charlene Green, welcome to the show, girl. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're excited to have you here, too. And, you know, I just have to um say this because I can't help myself. Y'all, I told you she's a she's a she's a writer. She has several books. And, you know, we'll go through that in a second. But I have I've read I've read a lot of books. Hers is the only book that I've read in one day, y'all. I've read the whole book. And one day, and it wasn't from like eight in the morning until midnight, uh-uh, it only took a few hours because it was so good, Paige Turner. Thank okay. you. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Thank you,
1: I, I love to hear it. That, that was the intention, that was the intention.
0: And keep so cool. people enthralled like that mm-hmm. and the book was so dope I borrowed it from a friend he kept calling me hey you done with it you finished <laughs> I need my book back <laughs> <laughs> he was like I don't care what happened you can't have that you got to get your own <laughs> Did you get your wait a minute did you ever get your own yes i did oh, okay okay I'm don't make me run to the like, bookcase i got I, it in the bookcase now <laughs> <laughs> don't make me run to my bookcase like i to
1: hook you up now <laughs> yeah yeah
0: <laughs> you know daggone well i bought that book okay
1: okay yeah and we
0: just gonna shout my brother out shout out to august jover uh you know he's the one to let me borrow the book you know my friend to the end you know love yes. him his wife roxy shout out to y'all and thank you for letting me um borrow that book and introducing me to this amazing queen right here so anyway, how you doing, Charlene? I just brag about you all day. But go ahead. I'm feeling good. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, so what we like to do on actors endurance, we like to uh start the podcast off with, you know, um this question, which is the main question. How have you endured throughout your career? Because you know this entertainment business, it's It's all over the place. Mm -hmm. You got to be strong and focused and determined. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. All that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: How have you endured throughout your career?
1: So. I have a strong foundation of faith in Nichiren Buddhism. So I've been practicing Buddhism for 38 years. And um, so Nichiren Buddhism, I don't, so if you saw What's Love Got to Do With It, with Tina Turner, you know, she was chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. So I do the same uh, practice that she did. Okay. Um, and so I started practicing when I was 16. Uh, my best friend and her mother introduced me to the practice of Nichiren Buddhism and chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo. And so um I that is my foundation. So as an artist, everything I do um is is funneled through my my practice of Buddhism. So all the things that I embark on, um, they uh, I use my, my Buddhist practice to move through the obstacles because there's a lot of obstacles, a lot of obstacles. <laughs> and so what I know for sure is that no matter who you are, if you are an artist, if you are serious about this craft, you're going to need some type of faith foundation, you, whatever faith foundation. I just don't think it's safe. And I'm going to use the word, so I don't think it's safe to get in the entertainment industry and not have some type of foundation of faith it's not, it's not safe for your sanity. It's not (laughs) safe for your, for your health. It's just not, you have to have something to grab onto, um, to help keep you grounded. Um, otherwise you really, you just not gonna make it. You're not. So over the years, you know, I've done some pretty scary things in the industry, scary meaning like, am I gonna be able to do this? Is this gonna work? And, you know, my novels were, were two of those things. You know, I um, you never know how things are gonna go. All you can do is create and pray and hope. Um, but I know that part of the endurance for me, a big part is uh, the why, the why I do what I do. Because if you don't know your why, that's another way that you're gonna end up going down, you know, just tumbling down the hill. Um, I don't think it's a good idea to do this work, whatever part of artistry you do and not know why you're doing it. Um, Who is it, you know, who are you trying to affect and why? You know, um, if it's just for you, I mean, okay, but I I don't know how far you're going to get if it's just for you, Mm -hmm. because as an artist, you are giving your work to the public, unless it really is just for you and nobody sees it. That's a whole different type of artistry. Now that's, that's more like a hobby.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So, but if you're in this business to share your work with others, then it can't just be about you. So a lot of the work that I do with people, meaning like, so, you know, I'm a certified life coach and I'm also a publishing coach. So like within both of those realms, I'm always having to remind people like, hey, I know that your project is for you first, but it's not just for you. So you cannot be out here creating things and not thinking about the people. You have to think about the people or forget it. Mm-hmm. so there's a there are it, it, the endurance part is layered um you have to be looking at a lot of things as an artist in order to endure uh you know it's kind of like driving <laughs> where like you can't just be out there um looking straight ahead you have to be looking all around um so that you are sure of what needs to be done while you're driving you know you you have to Look in this lane, look at that lane, look in the rear view. You have to really be paying attention out there. And so that's the same thing I feel as an artist, you have to be paying attention to what's going on in the industry, what's going on with the people so that when you create, um, you know, you can create based on what's in your heart, but also what do the people need? You know, um, what do they want? What are they looking for? So that's, I, I just gave you like a 10 point answer to that. But yeah, it's, I don't think there's one specific way to endure. I really just think it's, it's got to be grounded in some type of faith. And then from there, you got to know why
0: you're doing what you're doing. Oh yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. That is, that that's an amazing answer. Um, I don't think anyone's ever even put it like that because it is weird, you know? Mm-hmm. It's Thank not you. just a one, you know, a one track Mm-hmm.
1: I, I mean, for some people, maybe it is the one track. I mean, because a lot of people get into artistry for <clears throat> just for themselves, you know, for their ego, for you know, for recognition and uh, for attention. And I mean, okay, like I said, you can do what you want, but like, are you going to make it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you going to make it? Because <laughs> one thing, one thing I know for sure is the public <clears throat> If you don't give them what they want,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you go hear about it. Oh yeah. So, I mean, like I said, do what you want, but if you do what you want and then you don't get the response that you're looking for, don't say, I didn't warn you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Yeah. I've done, uh, I've trained performance poets, slam poets. And uh, that was my biggest note to them. I was like, well, listen, if you wrote it for yourself, keep it to yourself. But if you are going to actually (laughs) present it, then you need to present it. If you're going to perform it, you just can't read it. You you know, you have to journey through the script and journey through your own words, your own emotions. Uh, And and it was a task for a lot of the poets to take on the, the paper and emote it. You right. know, we, we see where they wrote it and felt it, but I, I think you're absolutely right. And people don't look at poetry as a business.
1: No. Or writing
2: as a business. They look at it as, you know, um, you're working for someone or you're writing a script or it's a hobby. But uh, I like that you're bringing up uh, the business aspect because a lot of writers do not have, uh, I won't say do not have it, but it's not really talked about the business side of writing, actually. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, also, <clears throat> I don't know that everybody sees the writing industry as entertainment. Mm. We, as a writer, just if you were just a writer, let's say that's that's what your thing is, you work in the entertainment industry, and I I don't know that people are tapped into that. I feel like people see write the writing industry as just that by itself mm-hmm. but as a writer whatever you write doesn't matter on what genre it is a form of entertainment a memoir uh you know whatever it is if it's you know anything that you give to people um <clears throat> that is going to take them, take them out of their, their world and put them in another world is a form of entertainment. Even if it's a sad story, you know what I'm saying? It's it's entertainment does not necessarily mean laughing. And it's not necessarily like the comedy part of, of uh, the entertainment industry. When people think entertainment, I, I feel like they think of things like movies and comedy shows and things that make you laugh. And that it's like a, there's like this fine line, but when you, when you say like, you know, as a writer, you work in the entertainment industry. And I tell people that like, you're an entertainer Mm -hmm. and they're like, huh? Because you know, singers and dancers, those are entertainers too. And you, when you think of entertainment, you typically think of things like that, but writing is not something people always think of as entertainment. You know, for other people, but it is. So uh, there are other there are other levels to this writing business, and that's one of them. you're you work in the literary industry, but you also work in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. It that's is what it perfect. is.
0: That's why we had you on the show. <laughs> that's why we had to have you on this
2: show <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Wow, that, that's a great take. I, I don't, that that's a great perspective. And this is why we, it's not just actors endurance because we, we really wanted to try to open up the mind of the entertainment space itself. And I mean, you hit it right on. I never looked at writing like that and I'm over here smiling like <laughs> that's inarguable to me because you're you're absolutely correct. All writing is an escape somewhere. Even mm-hmm. if it's news, the newspapers, you're escaping your current state of mind exactly. and going into the state of mind of someone else. So mm-hmm. brilliantly said, Wow, yeah. Wow. And just, this is why we were excited to have you. <laughs> just to be
1: clear, I actually am an actress. Um, so I studied acting uh, in the 90s. I went to, uh, when I was, li- I'm from the Bay Area. Um, yeah. And so in the 90s, I was in acting school in San Francisco. It used to be called. Gene Shelton's actors, actors lab, but they changed the name of it. Um, and I went to acting school for a while, uh, because I wanted to pursue acting and I still have, I still have some of that. Like there are some aspirations I still have for, uh, television and things like that. So that is not something that's, that's off the plate, but, um, you know, and I also uh, wanted to do some directing. So th- this being on this show, you know, that's called Actors Endurance is that it's, it's not not me because I am an actress,
0: but also as a performance poet, you're an actor too. Yes.
1: Okay. There's also there's also
0: that. Yes, and see, I didn't know that about you either because I've always known you as an author and a poet. I love it. See, all these, it's new- not really, I mean, it is in
1: my bio on my, my hustle diva speaks website because it's the long, long version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe it's in there because I, I made sure that there were, um, details in there that weren't other places, but mm-hmm. yeah, I did. I studied acting. I used, that was, that was what I was on for a while, but I was always a writer, but, I mean, I've, I've been writing since birth basically (laughs) like no I say that because like um as a child so my mother was a teacher Mm -hmm. and uh I used to write short stories and she used to take them to school and read them to her class so I've been writing since I was a child and it's just that I didn't uh pursue it as a career until I was 30 which is crazy because like and this is I wrote a poem about that, that subject matter where like how you are, um, I'll probably do it at the end since I just mentioned it, but okay. uh, how you can be walking, like you can be doing your purpose the whole time, but not paying attention to it because you are, it's just something it's, you see it as just something you do and you'll, you'll, you'll hear that in the poem. Um, this is what a lot of people are doing. They are pursuing other things which is not a bad thing, but the thing that they're really here to do, the way that they're here to affect change in the world, they're not paying attention to. Because it is so second nature, they are not, they just take it for granted. So um, in my life coaching, that's one of the things that I help people focus on is like, you know, what they're really here to do uh, what is their mission, what is their purpose? And um it's it's like the it's like you can't see your eyelashes, but they're right there, you know? Um so yeah. Oh
0: wow. Okay. Okay. I mean I'm just amazed already. We only like what five minutes into this interview. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's why I was excited to have you on. So um <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, so let me ask you, um, who has influenced you over the years? Hmm. In what realm? Um, let's just go with writing.
1: Wow. Okay. So Eric Jerome Dickey, uh, is, mm, was, mm, rest in peace. Um, Eric Jerome Dickey was my literary idol. Um, I studied. So I read his books for pleasure. But then when I, I wanted to write my own novel, I studied. So that's two different things, which we can get into. Uh, which is another thing that I I teach people in publishing coaching is that you know if you want to write you need to study the genre you wanna write in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so you need to read it, but you also need to study the craft, study how it's done. How is this genre written? Who's writing in it? Find people who are writing in that genre that you whose work you can connect with. So Eric Jerome Dickey uh, was the main person whose work I studied um, so that I could do what I did uh, for that book that you couldn't put down. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I credit, um, a lot of that to him, uh, but there were other people, Terry McMillan, Omar Tyree, uh, you know, there were others, mm-hmm. but I studied Eric Jerome Dickey's work. And, um, there was a time when I felt like I'm not gonna be able to do, look what he's doing. Look how he's, I'm not gonna be able to do this, but I'm gonna, but I wanna write this book, you know? So so, it's crazy because I, I did it and I did it well. And I was like, wow, like he he really taught me well through his work because it's not like I had him in front of me, although I did meet him, you know, when I, when I moved to LA, I did meet him and uh, I met him twice. The second time I met him, I was able to give him a copy of that book at, at, at his book signing. Oh, okay. He was having a book signing. I My book was done. The first time I met him, my, my book wasn't done. It wasn't out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the second time it was and I took it with me to his book signing and um, he remembered me from the first time uh, The first book signing I went to when I moved here and um, he called me up to the front. He called me up to stand next to him and he took time from signing books to introduce me to the people there and to say like, this is her book. I was like, what is happening right now? What is this? I didn't go there for that. I just I went to get my book and you know, do what I gotta do, pay my respects and and give him the copy of the book. I was not expecting him to like stop what he was doing and be like, hey, everybody, blah, 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 blah. And I I it was like a full circle moment for me because I told him at the first book signing that I studied him, you know, and all of his work. And so to have that in you know in my memory bank, and you know now that he's gone, um, but to, to be able to say that like Eric Jerome Dickey, like I gave him a copy of the book that he helped me write, mm-hmm. you know, wow. effectively he did he helped me write it. Wow. Wow. So yeah, there's been a lot of influence, but um, as a novelist, Eric Jerome Dickey. Um, but now as a poet, mm-hmm.
0: yeah,
1: so many people. <laughs> most of them are my colleagues. So it's interesting because most people, when you ask them who who, who is their influence in poetry, they'll say that the typical Maya Angelou and Nikki Giovanni and you know all the people. But that's not my answer. My answer is my colleagues because they are bomb. My colleagues. And some of them are at my actual friends. There's, you know, colleagues and friends um, are not necessarily the same thing. Some mm-hmm. of them I know well, and they're my actual friends. Some of them, I don't know as well, but they, we still, we still roll in the same circles. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I have colleagues and friends who do what I do and they are my, my biggest influences because I'm surrounded by so many fantastic poets that when I read their work or hear their work, I'm inspired to write and or write better. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: what I love about living here in LA and doing what I do around these people is that uh, I know that I'm a dope writer. I do, I know that, however, I can't get a big head because of them. Like because I swear I I go to these events and they open their mouths and I be like, damn! Oh my god! I can't like like it makes me be like, oh man! I need to do that, and I and I'm doing that in in my own way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so my colleagues are my biggest influence in poetry. Um, and I love to say that because I can, uh, you know, many of them, I can call on the phone and that's a great thing to be able to say, like my influences are people I can call on the phone or go to their house or, you know, whatever break bread with. So
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: lots of different influences in, in the industry, um, and people that have shaped me. And then also, uh, you know, my mentors in the publishing industry. Dr. Rosie Milligan, Um, I don't know if you know who she is, but she's prominent in the LA area. And also um, Maxine Thompson, who has since passed away. She was um, my mentor, but also she was my literary agent. So um, those two women shaped me as a publishing coach and an editor. Um, I had some natural abilities in in the realm of editing, but uh, but I was trained by the two of them. Like I spent time working with them and under them, and um, especially Maxine Thompson, who um, I was her overflow work person. Yeah, she had uh, she was working for uh, some authors for Kensington Publishing, and um, she worked for Carl Weber. You know, Carl Weber is you know, a famous writer and she was doing some work for him and, um, you know, a lot of the projects that she worked on, not necessarily for him, but during that time she had overflow. And, and so she brought me on as um, an assistant. So I used to work with and for her. And so uh, she allowed me to learn so much about how to do what I do today. Um, so it's just so many influences
0: yeah wow yeah that runs deep and that I mean that's amazing too and I love your answer because most people don't most people uh aren't well maybe they are inspired but that's not the answer they give it's always someone that's unreachable you know but to be able to have that reach like you said you can pick up the phone and be inspired I think that's amazing yes it feels amazing yeah Mm-hmm. And they always, you know, just, uh, challenge you to just become better and better and better and better, you know? So, yes, yeah, that, and, you know, uh, I want to
1: say this, there's, ne- there's also never a time, even though they're as bomb as they are and as inspiring as they are, mm-hmm. fortunately, and, and it really is fortunately for me, I have enough confidence in my own work. That when I hear them, and when I read them, and when I see them do what they do, there's never a part of me that's like, um, like, oh, you know, I, I'm not living up to my potential. It's it's not that. It is absolutely like, oh, I gotta, I, I gotta get even better. It's never a knockdown. It's never like a, dang, I need to wrap it up, you know, because that that can that can happen, you know, when you when you're exposed to people who are popping, people who are just getting it, mm-hmm. if you're not confident in your own work and in yourself, you can get into a space of like, oh yeah, I don't, this isn't for me. Yeah. I can't do that, you know? And so uh, it it's being around so many talented people can be a dangerous thing if you're, if your esteem is not high enough. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah.
0: And I think that's when you're also not living in your authentic truth and not being your authentic self. You'll start to compare yourself to people. And that's when I feel like the self-esteem, you know, can, you know, come into play, but you know, you know, that you are the dopest person and hey, nobody really do what you do the way you do it, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's great. that yeah. is great. That is Uh, so, um, what projects are you working on now? Do you have anything that you're working on now that um, you wanna put out there? Uh, okay, so, <laughs> so it, it, 20,
1: So in, in 2003, mm-hmm. that is when I finished the manuscript for One Man's Treasure. So mm-hmm. it is the 20 year anniversary of One Man's Treasure's creation. So, you know, I, I, it was published the first time in 2007 when I did that through Milligan books. So Dr. Rosie Milligan, who was my mentor, but I also, uh, published one man's treasure um, under her publishing company in 2007. I was trying to get a book deal the whole time. I was trying to get a mainstream book deal. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, what happened is they kept rejecting me and I, and I need to say this because I need people to understand that yes, I got what I wanted, but it was not easy. Uh, I was crying and um, you know, the rejections were many, many, many. And it took me like four and a half years to get the book deal that I got. And let me tell you what the shift was because I think this is really important is I was so stuck on, I got to get a book deal in order for like this to get where I needed to get, right? Um, I was so stuck on it that I felt like I needed it. And in any endeavor, not just in the entertainment industry, but anytime you feel like you need something that badly, you're going to probably have to wait on it because you you can't... it takes something from you when you need something that badly to the point where you are crying. And so I'm going to tell you a true story. I, so the rejections were flowing in and, and I never had a moment where I was like, Oh no, something's wrong with my story. Okay. I was, I was, I always knew like, no, no, no. The story is is good. It's right. It's popping. Mm -hmm. My issue was dang, like, why are they reject I mean they would tell you why in the letter it was like this blanket statement like it's just not what we're looking for yeah you know it's a typical statement they're not going to tell you what so what they are not going to necessarily tell you is that your particular theme or or the way you've written your book is not what's hot right now back then what was hot was street fiction um you know Uh, streets, thugs, this, that. uh, I didn't write that. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: that's what was hot back then. The shelves were lined with like street fiction, urban fiction, where, you know, it was gangs and drugs and, um, you know, that type of thing. Um, I wasn't writing about the streets. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that there weren't books like mine already out, but at that time, that's not what was selling the most. Mm. And in the in in the written literary industry, <clears throat> you know, the publisher's job is to put out what they feel like is gonna make the most money. And it's not that your thing is, is not a good idea. It's not that it's not going to work. But again, if they're focused on a certain um, type of story, yours is probably going to go over there in that pile of we not we not talking about that right now. Mm -hmm. So I and, and I was told that I didn't make that up. That was part of my schooling. You know, I as the rejections came in, and I'd be like, what is going on? Like, like the the book is good like I don't understand and so I had to get schooled on how the industry works and then I understood oh okay it's not me it's y'all so once I was like oh it's not me it's y'all mm-hmm. then I thought you know what never mind i'm just going to do it myself now to say that was one thing, but I didn't have the money at the time, so like I had to, I had to get the money together so I could put it out myself. That's how I ended up publishing One Man's Treasure in two thousand seven, of my, you know, with my out of my pocket, mm-hmm. uh, because I got tired of chasing mainstream. Uh, I knew that the story was good. I knew that, like, regardless, I wanted it to be out. I wanted people to get their hands on it, and I was like, well, I can't be waiting around for y'all, you know. This y'all lost? I really felt like that. I was like, is y'all lost? This is a good story. You could be making money. Like we could be, you know, we could be getting it, but y'all over there talking about something else. So I'm going to go over here and do this myself. So I did it and it was a great experience. It was, it was an educational experience. It was, it was frustrating. It was all the things, but prior to that moment where I was like, you know what, that's okay. Never mind. I didn't mean never mind that I'd never wanted a book deal. I just meant I'm good. Okay, I-, I see what this is. I'm gonna go over here and do what I gotta do. That was the shift because before that I was crying. I was literally sleeping. Oh, I wish I could pull it out. Dang, I should have. So I, my manuscript was a was a big blue folder, um, about this thick. I don't know if you can see my hands, but it was a big ass folder about that thick. and I was so up in arms about not getting the book deal that I used to go to bed at night crying clutching the manuscript near my pillow it was crazy I'm sobbing I'm like I don't know when is it gonna be my turn when is it and I'd be and I swore to I was like I'm going to find you guys a home. I literally, I'm telling you the truth. This is how it was. I'm oh. sobbing. I'm going to find y'all a home. I'm a, I swear I'm going to find y'all a home. <clears throat> okay. So I gave them a home myself. Eight months later, eight months after I put the book out, then I got the book deal. Then I got the book yeah. deal. And I know it was because I let it go. Yeah. Sometimes you got to let you got to let it go.
0: Yeah.
1: And that does letting that go does not mean you don't want it anymore, but you got to let it go because it's 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 it's, t- it's taking away from your happiness. Like so that was the shift and I wanted to say that. I wanted to give you that because um for for other artists, not just writers, but in any type of endeavor you can't need it that badly you can't it can't be tearing you up like that if it's tearing you up like that something's not right
0: mm-hmm.
1: you got to back up off it and i was fortunate enough to be able to get the schooling that i needed get the information i needed to make me be like you know what okay I, got it got it that's all right that's all right y'all messing around and that's what it was wow
0: it's
2: almost Girl, we, thank you uh, I'm sorry. Thank you for that, Jim. Just wanted to
1: throw that out there. <laughs> You're welcome. So, so the project I'm working on, so mm-hmm. it's the 20 year anniversary of one man's treasures creation. Mm-hmm. I finished it in 2003. So I just re-released the, I just re-released the book um, in its original 2007 format with the same cover the yeah. same font inside. I did re-edit the whole book, so it's upgraded a little bit. Um, so that is, uh, I just put the book back out in September, oh, and so you know the sequel is, and they'll come home, which you are you you have that too. So I'm, gonna- I'm I'm about to put that out. I'm gonna re-release that one right behind it. So I'm actually working on re-editing that manuscript so I can put it out. It's on. It'll be on Amazon. So. It's like full circle um, wow. what happened is I got the book deal and I do want to say this I got the book deal I got they gave me a so Kensington Kensington gave me a two book deal. Okay. So the, the, the interesting thing was I was crying over trying to get a book deal just for that just for one man's treasure. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting a two book deal. The sweet thing about it was I had already almost finished writing the sequel when I got the phone call. So I didn't even have to sweat the second book because it was already done. Mm-hmm. So there was no, Ooh, I got a two book deal, but what am I going to, what's the second book going to be? I was, I told you I moved on. I I was minding my business over there and I was like, let me go ahead and write this sequel um, I was doing it and then I got the two book deal and I was like, wow, I don't even have to, I can just kick back. The second book is already done. So, you know, when you, when you get up off something and you go ahead and get your life, it, it'll come back around and you can get more. You know what I'm saying? But you've got to, you got to get out of that desperate, that desperate energy. So, mm-hmm. Here we are 20 years later from you know one man's treasure and i just re-released that book and i'm about to re-release the sequel right behind it so they will be together again um in print but um the book deal that i got um so the imprint was urban soul um i don't know if you've seen so uh, uh carl weber that was his line of women's fiction that's how i got in so he Uh, in 2007, he was developing Urban Soul and it was a line of women's fiction. So my agent, which was Maxine Thompson, um, uh, she called me up and that's, she told me that that's what was happening. And she was like, I think your book will fit in really well there. That's how I got in. Now, what happens sometimes that people don't know, but I'm going to tell you what happens is sometimes the imprint will go bye-bye. So, Kensington is the, is the hub. And then like, you know, Daphina and, and uh, um, what is the other, Zebra, uh, there's like all these imprints underneath like the main, the, the head, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes an imprint won't make it. It has nothing to do necessarily with, with the authors per se. It just They just decide we don't wanna do this imprint anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with Urban Soul. So I did get the book deal. I got the dream. The bo- both books came out. I did my thing, but around 2012, they canceled the imprint. So when that happens, it's kind of like getting laid off, mm-hmm. so to speak. So then your books go out of print. It takes time, but like whatever's at the warehouse. That stuff gets sold, like they keep selling what's in the, but they don't print, they don't print anymore. Once they cancel an imprint, Mm. they stop production on on all the books. So they sell what's in the warehouse. And after that, it's like the book deal is over because the imprint is gone. So that is what happened with my books. So a lot of people were like, why are your books out of print? And then I have to explain like, because the imprint got canceled. It's not, it's not, it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't have nothing to do with that, but that is what a thing that happens, you know, it's like record labels, you know, it's the same. This is what I mean. It's entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had to wait out some stuff, you know, I had to get my rights back. Um, you know, I had to, it took so it took years to sell all the books and uh, all of that. So now this is why I'm able to re-release my own books. My way because um, I've gotten my rights back uh, from you know from the the publishing company and now my book my my stuff is mine again. So that is what I'm working on as far as the novels. Um, One Man's Treasure is back out. It's on Amazon, um, the 20th anniversary edition, and uh, and They'll Come Home will be out. I want to say in December, um, and it'll also be on Amazon. And so that's what's happening over on the novels. Um, as far as poetry, I'm I'm still writing, still performing. Um, everything else is just kind of just a flow, but new stuff is, you know, the re-release of the
0: novels. Okay, wonderful. Oh, I love, I'm glad you gave us the full story too, because I don't know about y'all out there, you know, the viewers or even Marlon, but I had no idea how all the book publishing. I had no idea how any of that works. So yeah, well,
1: I didn't either until it happened.
2: (laughs) Right. Right? Yeah, I haven't published the book, so I don't know either. But yeah, what a wealth of knowledge there. Uh, we're definitely going to have to bring you back in for a, a, (laughs) another, a part two, because we haven't even really dug into it. I mean, we've dug into some stuff, but you have a wealth of other things that you do and, uh, didn't get to the articulation coach, because that is right up the alley. Well, I can uh, tell you
1: what that is. So, um, articulation artist. Um, so Because I work with words in so many different ways, because I, so everything I do, even like the the life coaching, all the work that I do, all points back to my work with writing. So obviously I, I I write the novels and I write poetry, but I also perform the poetry. Um, I, I, I do the publishing coaching, so I'm helping other people with their work, but I also do, um, life coaching. And so that may seem like, well, how's life coaching in this? So the life coaching came because I have three self-help books. Those three self-help books are what my life coaching business is born from. Okay. And so I, I do Something with words that not a lot of people do. I work with words across a lot of um, a lot of lines, and the one thing that I've always gotten from the public is my gift for articulation, whether it is written or um, spoken. And so, wow. that is what articulation artist means um, for for me. Um, it it fits well because uh, everybody doesn't articulate well verbally, but they might articulate well on paper. Um, and the way that I articulate crosses a lot of uh, boundaries. So that is what that means. Articulation artist in my in my work is the way that I work with words. And um, no matter which way I work with words, whoever I'm working with, you get what you need. So I don't know if you saw um, on my, my link bio, there's a slogan. It says, whichever way you experience my words, you win. Mm. That's what that means.
2: Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Very, very, very interesting interview here, for sure.
0: Yeah, <laughs> seriously, man. You know, I love talking to you because, you know, you're my sister. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm so happy to have you on the show so you can share all this, you know, with the world. And we wish you the most success on your the re-release of your two books. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, mm-hmm. y'all, if you like to read, even if you don't like to read, I guarantee you, you're going to love her book. Thank I read you. it in one day, y'all. That, that says a lot i've never done that ever still to this day i love acting i can't read an acting book in one day mm. <laughs> i'll just say but listen charlene we're gonna go to the um so we're gonna do the uh martini round right i gonna ask you some questions and then okay. we'll take a beat and then you give us some poetry because we okay have <laughs> to have it. we have got to have it okay, okay. <laughs> all right Molly, go ahead take it away <laughs>
2: All right, and five, four, three, two, one, what is your favorite smell?
1: Oh wow, um, my favorite smell well, it's probably my favorite uh my favorite scent, which is Egyptian musk,
2: oh wow, favorite vacation spot,
1: mm. I don't know that I have one, but I would probably say somewhere uh where there's a hammock and a lot of sun and a lot of uh, wide open space.
0: Okay,
2: nice.
1: Wherever cats. that is.
2: Okay, nice. I'm with you on that one. Cats or dogs?
1: Oof. cats, but I do love dogs, but cats.
2: <laughs> okay. What is your go-to shoe or your favorite shoe?
1: <laughs> my Skechers. Okay. Really, okay. <laughs> my Skechers, my Skechers, yeah.
2: Oh wow. And what is your favorite time of the year?
1: It used to be summer, but now it's fall.
2: Huh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Why fall?
1: Guessed in a row that said fall. I yeah, yeah, I years years back I would have said summer, but it's actually fall. I really have started to appreciate uh the way that the 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 weather changes and the way it feels when fall hits, although this isn't it right now. It's acting like it's acting like summer right now in L.A., Uh, but so it hasn't really done the fall thing yet, but I'm looking forward to it.
0: That's why I love LA. It's summertime all the time. All it right. is. I, <laughs> I do. I miss it. Well, Charlene, you know it has been great having you on the show. We are definitely wonderful. gonna have you back. But Please. you take a second and then you give us what you want to give us. Now, y'all, listen. Pay attention. Listen, you probably have to rewind and listen to this again. She is one of the <laughs> dopest poets. I have ever listened to. And I'd go to a lot of you know, spoken words. So y'all go ahead and give it up for Charlene Green. Look her up and Charlene, you take it away when you rent her. Okay, uh, how much time do I have? Couple, yeah, a few do minutes? You. Do
1: your thing. Okay, I wanna do this piece called Knowledge. And uh, I wanna do it because it kind of talks about what we've been discussing here. Um, I wrote this piece back in 2017 after a conversation I had with a woman after a show that I did. So this is called knowledge. What you know about not knowing when everybody else does, what you know about how that feel, what you know about waking up every morning, question marks creeping through your psyche about your journey, about where the support from people who said they would ignored you when you asked when of the next pay about perseverance for breakfast, lunch, dinner, disappointment for a midnight snack. What you know about that being the only meal you got sometimes? What you know about a dozen cracks in your faith about trying to glue them up with smiles and hope about Tears that sneak up on you when you are trying to push through, trying to hold on to your sanity, trying to enjoy the day. Make it be the one you can finally write home about. Sneak up and snatch the light right out your eyes. Make it so you can't see the one at the end of the tunnel. Make your soul slip, fall and shatter in the river that slides off your face. Tell me what you know about this bag of buckets that keeps getting bigger, growing heavier by the week. So many that they poking holes in it falling out and into your attitude some days. About walking around feeling like a tsunami on a sunny 90 degree day, like a 10 car pileup too convoluted to free yourself from. What you think you know, huh? You don't know like I know about purpose, passion, sacrifice, about trust and destiny, about loyalty to your spirit, to your craft, about the repo man, about eviction, about standalone spirit in the midst of side eyes and critical commentary, about remembering what you had and wondering if all this is worth losing it for. You don't know. You don't know a damn thing about this. You don't know about the power of purpose kind of hold it has on you, how it make your spirit swoon and sway every time you think about it, breathe new life into you whenever you touch it, whenever you bless people with it. How all you want to do is be up under it all day at all costs like a new lover. Got you whipped. You are its bitch in the most gratifying way. Hell yeah, you take orders. Gladly jump high as it wants. Giggle like a silly lovesick child when you do. This purpose, nothing else matters when you are in it. Distractions have you salty because the sensation it gives you is the sweetest, Greatest joy you ever feel. Joy that can't nobody take from you. This, that DNA crack. Leave you with that healthy high. All natural drug you came from the womb with, Running through your bloodstream. Narcotic to give you all your act right. Your greatest shine, finest temperament. The only drug to cure what ails you. Can't nothing but death keep you from it. Ain't no shame, no stress. No obstruction wicked enough to derail that train. That train go regardless. Ain't no escaping this thing. Ain't no walking away because you frustrated because the road bumpier than a five mile construction zone. Where you think you going? Where you running to? You think you about to dodge heredity? That ain't how this works. You can't leave. How you leave yourself? Where they do that at? This thing is home, emotional security, comfort food, extra helpings of dessert, shelter from cerebral storms, even when it is the storm, even when it's disorder and spilled milk. Oh, you can cry, go ahead and cry over that milk, but I bet you clean it right on up. Get right on back to task, because you're here with this purpose conjoined through all your numbered days to let it serve you so you can serve it to the world with all the bells and whistles it lets you create till all who need it from you get it till you get called home now tell me what you think you know about this double-edged sword this purpose all up in you that you can't undo what you know about that daily keep on about the strength it takes the balls you've got to grow, the spiritual judo you need to know to overthrow the devil on this path every day so you can deliver these goods to the people, for the people, for yourself. Leave your mark. Convenience these lives. Heal these hearts. Soothe these minds and show up every time looking like you never even broke a sweat. Nah, you don't know. You don't know a damn thing about this
2: snap 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 i
0: love it i love it oh man thank you so much charlene for blessing us with this interview and that wonderful poem thank you and yeah i love you sis love you too thank you so much <laughs> for sure for sure this has been an amazing interview y'all you know how we do it over here at actors endurance or oh, where am i at boom there you go over here at actors endurance listen that's all i got to say that's all i got to say. <laughs>
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll catch y'all on the next interview. We are (laughs) body. All right.